Hi, this is Peter Schwartz, public address announcer for the Cosmos, and you're listening to the First Team Podcast. Hello, Cosmos Country. On this week's episode of First Team Podcast, I will review the Cosmos' 5-0 victory against Greater Lowell Rough Diamonds at Mitchell Athletic Complex in the MPSL Classic season. I will walk through the playoff structure, the dates, and who the Cosmos might play, who the Cosmos might face in the MPSL 2019 playoffs. This Sunday, June 30th, the New York Cosmos will host Rhode Island Reds at 5 p.m. Eastern Time at Mitchell Athletic Complex. I will talk about the possibility of a women's Cosmos squad with the Women's World Cup on Fox Sports and being played in France at the moment and the U.S. Women's National Team having to take on France on Friday. I think this is an interesting topic. And then later in the show... I will read an article from U.S. Soccer President to U.S. Soccer Federation employees, and that's about the Glassdoor uh, reviews. So he sent out, Carlos Guadero sent out a letter to U.S. Soccer Federation employees. And to end the show, I will have a discussion topic, a conversation, a debate on lower division soccer. And basically, is it worth it? for investors. And I know as fans of the New York Cosmos and lower division soccer and the MPSL, we think it's worth the money. We think it's worth everyone's time to take part in it. But uh, there is a main example from a club in the MPSL that put out some details, and I think you have heard about them, and I will get into more details later in this week's episode. The New York Cosmos, they beat Greater Lowell Rough Diamonds 5-0 at Mitchell Athletic Complex. And they added a new forward, Isaac Acuna, and he got on the score sheet this past weekend. He scored a goal. Congrats to Isaac and welcome to the boys in green. Isaac recently played in the Guatemalan top division. Cosmos head coach Carlos Mendez had this to say on the signing. He's a true professional He's got the mentality we're looking for. He's a proven goal scorer, and he's a big, strong forward with good feet. So he'll give us a presence in the box. He'll help us in a lot of different ways and can hurt the other team. He's a big addition. We're happy to have him. He's going to improve our team. And that's a great signing with the season almost coming to an end and the Cosmos going into the MPSL playoff structure. Because I think the MPSL playoffs, it's so underrated. Because in the NASL, you knew the clubs. You knew about their players. You knew who you were going to face. And in the MPSL, if you go far in the playoffs outside of your division, 
you're facing players and clubs that you never heard of or you don't know what type of quality they have. And I think that's the very interesting thing about the MPSL. The New York Cosmos are in the Northeast Region Conference in the North Atlantic Conference Division. And the conference champion is determined by the conference playoff below, not the regular season points per game. So the top two teams qualify based on regular season points per game. The 2019 MPSL North Atlantic Conference Final will be on July 10th, hosted by the higher seed. So the number one seed versus the two seed. The New York Cosmos are currently top of the table in the North Atlantic Conference Division with 33 points. You have Brooklyn Italians who have 25 points. So there will probably be a battle for that second and first seed eventually. You have Kingston Stockade with 24 points. But if the New York Cosmos continue to dominate and win matches, I think uh, they can secure that top seed eventually. So the New York Cosmos, they will face Rhode Island Reds June 30th, 5 p.m. at Mitchell Athletic Complex. I'm going to go with a New York Cosmos 3-0 victory. I think the New York Cosmos are going to continue their domination. Uh, they have added Isaac, who I think is a quality striker. Like where Carlos Menez said, is strong. He's good with his feet. A proven goal scorer. And we saw that in uh, his first match in the Cosmos colors. This past weekend, he scored a goal. And I'm putting him down to score another one. Um, so I'm going to go with a New York Cosmos victory this weekend. You can send in your thoughts on the boys in green in the MPSL on Twitter and on Facebook at First Team Pod. You can email the show at firstteampod at gmail.com. We have had a lot of tweets coming to at First Team Podcast talking about women's soccer because of the Women's World Cup that is going on at the moment. A fan was mentioning, why doesn't the Cosmos have a NWSL club? Because, yeah, the Cosmos on the men's side, they're not in the top division but their brand is massive, and I know a lot of people might argue on that one that the Cosmos brand is not big. That was back in the day, but I don't believe that mindset. I think the Cosmos should have a women's team, but then I think you go down that route and you're saying, well, the reason why they don't have a women's team is because Rocco and the Cosmos management, I don't think they want to be associated with the U.S. Soccer Federation. That's why they're not playing and participating and and giving money in membership fees to the U.S. Soccer Federation by the Cosmos participating in the U.S. Adult Soccer Association. They're handing over the fees and the money to the Adult Soccer Association. So I think that's why Rocco and company, they don't want to invest in the NWSL because it's run by the U.S. Soccer Federation and Major League Soccer and Soccer United Marketing. So I don't think they want to be involved in that. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see a uh, New York Cosmos NWSL club, and you can have that rivalry with Sky Blue FC. But I think that's the main reason. They don't want to be associated. They don't want to be involved in a league that... I guess is run by U.S. Soccer. U.S. Soccer should not run individual leagues. And I know in the NWSL, the Federation subsidizes the, I think it's just the national team players, or maybe it's all national team players and 
uh, Canada and Mexico and the United States. So when you look at it that way, there's not that much money in the NWSL from team to team if you have a handful of national team players. So I'm not doubting that Rocco has the money. He does. He's a billionaire. He invested that in Fiorentina, and he's investing that in the New York Cosmos and in the lawsuits and in a lot of different things. But I think, and one fan, I think it was James, who was a contributor on a website, firstteampod.com, he said that it's probably just because we don't have a home venue. Right? Because why would you feel two teams when you don't have your own venue or a main venue where you can call home? Mitchell Athletic Complex, from a training standpoint, has been the Cosmos' home since the reboot season. But a home venue... We haven't had one home venue that we can call our own. We had Hofstra since the reboot season, and then we moved to MCU Park, and then we played some U.S. Open Cup matches at St. John's University. So I think for the Cosmos to feel a team in the NWSL, I think we just need a proper venue or a venue that we can call our own. You can see the excitement and the growth of the women's game in the United States. You can watch how excited people are to watch the Women's World Cup And I wish the best of luck to the U.S. women's national team this Friday. They are facing France. Hopefully they win that match. U.S. Soccer President Carlos Cordero sent out a letter titled, Our Commitment to You, dated June 26, 2019. Dear colleagues, I wanted to take this opportunity to write to you and every member of our staff following yesterday's New York Times article and recent reviews of the Federation on Glassdoor. I know how busy you are during this summer of soccer with both of our senior national teams competing for major trophies. Not to mention the organization and execution of the Development Academy Summer Showcase and Playoffs and the launch of the Digital Learning Center. As always, we are extremely grateful for the dedication and commitment that you bring to our shared mission every day. Without which none of this would be possible. Our federation succeeds because of you. And I want to assure everyone that we are listening to you. You have a voice and we want to hear it. To that end, we are working on a new process to solicit your feedback anonymously with a third party, which you will hear more about in the days ahead. Like any organization, we know that we can constantly improve. And we always aim to do better in partnership with you. In the meantime, we encourage you to report any concerns you may have on our website. This resource is monitored solely by our legal department. You can either leave a voicemail or a posting. And in either case, you are welcome to submit your name or post anonymously. As noted on the page referenced above, U.S. Soccer has a policy against retaliation that would prohibit considering any action against any staff member who reported a concern or otherwise expressed views in good faith. While this policy certainly serves all parties well in an official capacity, please know that policy or not, we welcome your thoughts and concerns because your insights make us stronger and more effective. We are also sensitive to the fact that we are managing a transition to a new CEO for the first time in 20 years, the first in a generation. 
one thing is certain, as we look forward to a new generation of success that surely awaits us, we reflect with admiration and respect on all that Dan Flynn has done to build U.S. soccer into one of the leading federations in all of sport. If not for the example Dan established for all of us to follow. And if not for his unqualified commitment to serving the game in the U.S., which is our very mission. We would not be in the privileged position we enjoy today. Dan is deserving of our deepest appreciation and gratitude. And on behalf of the board, I thank him for his remarkable leadership and dedication as our CEO for the past two decades. As we've seen our headcount grow rapidly, more than doubling to almost 200 employees in a short amount of time. We recognize this may cause growing pains. Nevertheless, it is paramount that we maintain at all times a positive workplace environment. We don't want to ever fall short in that area. So as we choose our next CEO, we believe this occasion provides all of us an opportunity to take a closer look at how we work both now and into the future. To conclude, I want to reiterate that we are incredibly excited about the future, including the next seven years leading up to the 2026 FIFA World Cup. We have a lot of plans to grow the game and the profile of the Federation in that time frame and well beyond it. Nothing is or will be more important than open communication with you and everyone who represents U.S. soccer and serves our game. You have my personal commitment to advancing our work in a spirit of openness and transparency. And that starts with our commitment to our own staff. Please know that you can always reach out to me if there's anything I can help with. Again, on behalf of everyone in our soccer family, thank you for your dedication to our federation and the game we love. As we work together to bring the joy of soccer to more people in more places, we are grateful for your continued service. Yours, Carlos. I think U.S. Soccer, they had to release that letter. They had to send that letter out to U.S. Soccer employees because they have been receiving bad reviews on Glassdoor. And fans on social media have been screenshotting that and sharing that around. And for a very long time, it didn't matter what fans said. It didn't matter what happened. U.S. Soccer didn't comment. U.S. Soccer didn't care. And that's what I'm trying to say is that we need a grassroots movement. And I think that's one point. That's one example of a grassroots movement that we shared this online. We retweeted it. We posted it. We showed our friends and people that loved U.S. soccer and we're trying to show them and tell them, hey, look what's going on in U.S. soccer. Look what's going on behind the scenes. And they finally responded to their employees. And I really can't believe that Carlos Guadero wrote something like, if you need anything, just let me know. Just contact me. With 200 employees, I don't know if you can actually pick up the phone and talk to Carlos Guadero if you're an employee within U.S. soccer. You have NBC, you have the New York Times covering this topic, the bad reviews and how the Federation is treating their employees. I really hope this is a first step for U.S. soccer to realize what they're doing wrong and to make those changes, make proper changes to the Federation, to the game in this country in the seven years leading up to the 2026 FIFA World Cup. Carlos even notes in his letter, we have a lot of plans to grow the game 
and the profile of the Federation in that time frame and well beyond it. And I sort of understand where he's coming from. But you just can't grow the game in big cities. You have to basically put fields, right? I believe the U.S. Soccer Federation uh, Foundation does this. They put fields in, I guess, low-income areas or something like that. They put fields in different communities. U.S. Soccer should lead that initiative. They should help bring fields to local townships, to local areas. I can tell you as a fact that in small towns throughout this country, and especially where I live, there's parks, there's fields, but there's not soccer fields. And if there are soccer fields, they're either one overpriced or they're not available to just go on the field and play on. I'm talking about a handful of people, a handful of friends in the neighborhood that just want to kick the ball around, that just want to have a good time. And then from there, more people, more people coming out and kicking the ball around. Right? U.S. soccer should lead that charge. It shouldn't be up to the local townships uh, mayor or politicians or town councils. In the United States, you have your basketball courts. You have uh, your baseball fields. In big cities, in New York City, you have cricket fields. People are playing cricket in New York City. I'm not undermining the sport, but I'm trying to say is that that's not a traditional American sport. But you have people in New York City, in different areas across the country, playing cricket. And in small towns, in small areas throughout this country, maybe you don't have a soccer field locally. If you do, like I said, maybe it's overpriced. But I'm talking about local people, local kids, just anyone local that wants to play the game, that wants to kick the ball around. The U.S. men's national team going up against Brazil and going up against different teams in World Cups, in the Gold Cup, in whatever tournament, in friendlies. And you have the United States that are playing on great fields for the most part the players that go professional, that they're playing on the best fields. But then you have Brazilians, you have South American players that are playing on run-down fields and playing on basically a parking lot or whatever they can find. And I think that's what makes you a better player is that you're not just trying to find the best field to play on. But then I think in America, kids or whoever, they're going to play because there's a soccer field near them. And that's the thing is that maybe it doesn't have to be in the best condition. It doesn't have to be a turf field or whatever. Just a soccer field in local communities. That's one way how the U.S. Soccer Federation could grow the game. It's just giving each kid, giving each generation the chance to just kick the ball around and see where that takes them. Just see where that takes them. Do they go on to be a professional soccer player Do they go on to play high school and play in college and learn a lot of things about playing the sport? That's not just kicking the ball around. They learn real things and they earn a degree and things like that. You know what I mean? They go a different route, but soccer uh, gave them a platform. So I think having a place to play that is for everyone, I think it's very important. The final topic is on a NPSL club called... Temecula FC. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but Temecula FC. I think it was about a week or more 
they had a tweet and they kept on promoting this that they needed to sell a certain amount of tickets. I think it was over 1,000 tickets to keep the club around, basically. Um, But then I I saw another tweet to the club saying something like, if you sell all your tickets, will the club stay around? And they were saying, well, no, maybe we won't have the MPSL club, but we'll stay around as a youth club or in some capacity. And something that caught my eye and First Team Podcast will for sure talk about this topic, right? We will cover this topic in more detail over the next couple of months. We're going to have a series coming out talking about lower division soccer. The tweet from Matt Lee, it's just a fan, a soccer fan on Twitter, he tweeted to Timukula FC, is there not a better amateur option? $360,000 to feel a team literally insane. So the owner of Timikula FC said that he invested, his family invested $360,000. And then the club responded by saying, unfortunately, not at this time. In the United States, the cost to be involved in a league and operate matches is very high. I think they're right. I think operating a match, running a club can be expensive. But I don't think three hundred and sixty grand expensive. And I'm going to talk about this in some detail. But I'm going to save the rest for a future episode so we can go in-depth and have a guest on. But my take on this is that each club in different communities across the country and the world, they need to know their level. For example, a team abroad, just because there's promotion and relegation, it doesn't mean that if they get promoted... They're going to buy Cavani or they're going to buy Messi or they're going to buy Neymar because they know their level. They know how much money they have. So when you are soccer, you're in the MPSL. You want to be at a higher level before a professional soccer. I totally understand that. But I think a lot of clubs just jump to the MPSL. They just say, hey, we're going to be there because that's big time for semi-pro soccer. To just join the MPSL, that costs twenty grand, And then I think you need to have a certain amount of money as your budget for the season, so that's every single year, every single summer. Then you need to spend five grand each uh, year to the league for league fees. So let's just say that that's 25 grand with your expansion fee. And then you have your field costs in the MPSL. You want to rent a bigger stadium so you can have fans and things like that. So to join the MPSL and to say... We're going to start out here. It's insane. It's insane because it doesn't work as a business model. It works if you're a Detroit City FC. But I don't think a club should just join the MPSL and say, we don't have any fans. We don't have anyone. We don't have a lot of sponsors. We need to make this work as a business, as a club. I don't know how they can justify just because you have the money spending 20 or over 20 grand And I've been told figures about how much people have spent in a season. I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe I've been told it was about 50 to 100 grand for the summer. So I really think that the MPSL as a summer league is great for clubs that can't join the professional ranks and for players that can't go to the next level or maybe just college players. I think it's a great level. It's a great platform for those players. But from a business standpoint, it's a national league regionalized 
So if the Cosmos, for example, come out of their division, they beat the first team that they face in the playoffs, and then they go play another team, and then they have to travel to Texas or Florida or wherever, that's going to be probably thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to travel to that venue without prize money at the end of it. But for the Cosmos, you have Rocco who is a billionaire. So as a Cosmos supporter, we're not questioning it. And I think that's the problem, is that you have different markets, you have different fans from different teams that are in different situations, and maybe they're in better situations, and that's why they don't question the current structure, or they don't even question lower division soccer. But that's why First Team Podcast is going to sit here, have a series, and we're going to ask the tough questions to stakeholders in U.S. soccer and say, how can you, just because you have the money, how can you spend $360,000 in an MPSL club where you can't get prize money back for winning the league or for winning a game or for winning your division? And that's the point I'm trying to make is that I don't think it's a waste of time to invest in U.S. soccer. You can do it correctly. Investors and just fans of the game you can do it this the right way. You can start at your state league level and build your way up. right? Build your way up until you have the sponsors, until you have the fans on your side, and you have the whole community on your side. You don't have to rush to the MPSL and spend $360,000 just because you have it, just because you're rich. I feel bad for their fans and for the club. right? I'm not just saying this because... I want to get headlines or I want listeners. I think it's a very important topic and uh, we will discuss this on a future series on First Team Podcast. So please send in your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook at First Team Pod. Check out our website, firstteampod.com. You can email the show and I will read out your email on next week's episode. The email is firstteampod at gmail.com. Hopefully the Cosmos get the three points this weekend. This Sunday, June 30th at 5 p.m. at Mitchell Athletic Complex against Rhode Island Reds. So get the three points, boys in green. And let's continue our winning ways. And uh, let's make a great run in the postseason in the MPSL. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I really appreciate it. And as always, let's go New York Cosmos. Yeah, just want to give a shout out to the five points. Burr boys, the Benadol Cosmos, and the Cross Island yeah. crew. Uh, yeah, it's New York Street and White. What we bleed, you see and fight. Indeed, it seems to be achieving. See, we do and did it right. Cosmo country loving, we above them. I'm just saying. All those lovely songs come and see it and I'm playing. The fact of it is, the rap from state attacks, hash and bliss. Reacts, tap me, win. So fast, racking them in. Whether it's stacking the wing, on the back, stand through the mid, cutting the seams. It seems we see anything to be. We got a ball and a dream. Got a ball and a dream. We do. I'm new, it's true. Fancy crew. Down for you, no doubt they do. Surrounding you with bad views. Like Cues allowed to you without them dudes. Around my crews, I'm tracking past no excuse. Each session a lesson, it's not about perfection. The work's the test, and F's connected like a method. Now, breathless after training, something's gotta be corrected. Rushing and acceleration at the start's the most suggested. Infected with greatness, potential is spacious. Out the world, just face it. The work becomes contagious. Some may say we made it, but now we've just begun. Sorry if you hate it, because I can tell you that I'm far from done.